0: Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chattuck. Join host Karen Doyle-Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading researchers, authors, and clinicians discussing issues in attachment theory. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. Today, Karen concludes her series exploring family therapy and attachment theory with part two of her conversation with Carol Gammer about the child's voice in family therapy.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I'm Karen Doyle Buckwalter, your host, and I'm excited to be with you today as we continue to delve into a special series that we are doing about family systems theory and attachment theory and how we work with entire families and family systems from an attachment-based perspective so today we are going to be hearing from carol gammer and um, she has her phd in clinical psychology and she was part of the clinical team of the Child Psychiatric Service of the School of Medicine of Harvard University. And she also directed a treatment center for adolescents in California. However, she has lived in Paris now for many years. She has founded family therapy training institutes in France, Germany, Switzerland, and Spain, and has been training family therapists throughout Europe for about 30 years. She has a model known as the uh, phase-based model of family therapy, and it is widely known and used in Europe. She trains and supervises also at psychiatric hospitals, associations for the protection of childhood and adolescent services, and she has done some services for the handicap as well. She's the president of the Association of Family Therapy by phases and a member of the European Family Therapy Association. I particularly love, and we will be talking about it today, her book called A Child's Voice in Family Therapy, A Systemic Perspective. So I am hoping you will really enjoy this interview and I will be right back with Dr. Gammer.
0: Supporting children and families who have experienced great loss and endured extreme trauma is a daunting task. At Chattuck, we have the experience and longevity to understand the type of support needed to keep the best and brightest engaged with this work. In January, the Knowledge Center at Chattuck will launch the next session of the Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute for helpers who seek to be rejuvenated and revitalized in their work with children and families. This type of renewal and confidence is a natural byproduct of gaining specialized knowledge, advanced skills consultation, guidance, mentorship, and most importantly, being in a community providing the experience of being seen and understood. We have designed an experience and a soft place to land where all of these needs will be met in one central place. For more information on the Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute to join the waitlist for more information or to sign up, visit tkcchatik.org.
1: Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I'm going to be continuing my interview with Dr. Carol Gammer. I am so thrilled to have her with us um, on the podcast. She has just an incredible depth and breadth of training and experience and has really taught family therapy all over the world. In addition, worked with families with really severe psychiatric issues, you know, this is she's not working with families that um, you know, have not dealt with very complex issues in the system. She works with a whole range of difficulties. So Dr. Yammer, thank you so much for continuing this conversation with me.
2: You're welcome. I Mm -hmm. look forward to continuing it.
1: Yeah. So, so we started introducing your phase based model at um, the end of our discussion uh, previously, and you went over, um, those first stages, like the, the presenting problem and, and how you get information about that. And then the enlargement phase, and then this invitation for the couple to come. Um, and, um, I was thinking about, um, one of the things that comes up for me before we talk further about your model is often therapists, when I, when I talk to a young therapist or not even young therapist, any therapist, therapist, but focused on working with children, that's who I'm around a lot. And I suggest that we must involve the parents more extensively than maybe giving them a little update at the beginning and the end of the session that, they have to be in the session um, therapists will say to me well the parents they they're they they do not want that they just they, they they want me to fix their child's problem they they don't necessarily want to be involved in that um and i think part of this is i mean i have lots of responses to that but i want to hear what your response you know if a if a therapist said to you, well, the, the parents, you know, I don't want the parents to feel blamed or they don't want to be involved or they don't see the need to be there. Well, how would you respond to that f- from a trainee?
2: From a trainee or from the parent? <laughs> Both. <laughs> from trainee, I would say that that's a very um, simplistic way to look at parents and that it's their job to motivate parents and deal with the resistance that parents have of being involved in the process of change for their child. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's um, not accepting resistance from the family as uh, the answer. And I think that it, re- it um, allows the therapist to reduce their own anxiety about how can I manage a family session? Because a family session is much more complicated than an individual play therapy session with a child. Yes, it sure and, is. And you need to be much more competent. You need to um, be in charge of the session. You need to have a structure for the session. You need how to learn how to have children and adolescents talk about their inner world in the session and open that up. You need to have parents um, who lose uh, um, affect regulation and become dysregulated with their children when something goes wrong. You need to intervene. So you're really the guest giver. You're the hostess. You're the one controlling the session and you must have a very good idea of what you what a goal that's reasonable what's not reasonable etc so i think that most um when i go in a training program when i intervene in a training program for child therapists yes they they tell they tell me what they do exactly what you said and uh then they see a session on video, that I show them where the parent, where it's family therapy, and they're kind of flabbergasted and surprised what you can do in a session with the family present and having the child really, or the adolescent um, and the other siblings in the session, talk about their inner world and what they experience.
1: So, what is an example, or or maybe a compilation of of uh, to protect any, anybody's confidentiality? But what is a kind of video that you might show that they're flabbergasted by? So because you've really piqued my curiosity.
2: So here's um, an example, not an easy example, of a three generational family. Okay. Uh, the uh, father committed suicide eight months ago. Uh huh. The daughter, who was uh, Lulu Lucille, who was uh, ten years old, was sent individual therapy. The mother went to individual therapy, and the mother was, of necessity, um, needed to invite her parents to come live with her, who were retired, to help her deal with all the issues around the father's suicide. Including, uh, he was the source of income, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, doing the family, the three generational family therapy session, um, the mother was. Ha- it came out that the mother was having tremendous difficulty uh, creating a secure relationship with her daughter. The daughter would uh, not want to speak with her, would close up, would withdraw, had an attitude of dismissing the mother, Mm -hmm. of um, going in her room, shutting the door and not speaking. And when the uh, grandparents were present, I had them all draw a picture of their family today. Uh, So I used drawing, so everyone, everyone had to draw Uh, the grandmother, grandfather, the mother, and Lucille, a picture of their family. And then they had to show it, and then the other members of the family would ask them about their picture and how they represented the family, okay? Yes. So um, in the um, grandmother's picture drawing, she did not draw her daughter. Her family was her, her husband, and her granddaughter, and her mother was not present. Mm. And uh, that led to uh, revealing a competition that the grandmother and mother had around the daughter, around this child, and how the grandmother was uh, in a position to want to um, be the parent for the child. And uh, forgot her own daughter, mm. and the daughter said, and that led to a very important issue, or related to how come this daughter would, the granddaughter would not speak to her mother, or was part of the dynamic.
0: Yes. So
2: that's an example. Yes. And then over the drawing, the mother, the mother who was actually. Um, an artist, Uh, by the time that everyone else had finished the drawings, the daughter had only drawn two of her cats, her two cats, and no one else. Uh And um, she said, they're my family. And it came out of her own inner conflict between her mother and her grandmother was represented in her drawing when she finally finished it. And she was able to ask her mother to help her finish her drawing. And she put her mother next to her in the drawing Mm -hmm. and was able to talk about then her relationship with her mother and her grandparents and the conflicts sometimes she felt. Mm -hmm. Wow. That
1: would be quite something to see that this... um deceptively simple looking you know intervention then brings forth all of these complex and nuanced themes and Mm -hmm. i know that you're also not only looking at the drawing that was produced but you're also looking at what else is going on in the room
2: that's right. And how are they talking? What's their, what are the family members' possibilities to mentalize about the other person's inner world yes. and what's represented, for example, in the drawing? It's not a matter of interpreting right. the drawing, but that the family members can learn how to ask and how to be curious to go in the inner world of the other family member. Right.
1: Yeah, because I think some people would say, oh, well, I have to see the teenager alone because they won't talk to their parents. Um, And I I think that that, that's getting a little too, you know, uh, talking a little bit more about your book. And there are ways of that happening.
2: That's right. And you need to find them. Yeah. Yes. And uh, depending on the age and the developmental possibilities of the child, uh, you need to find a language to do that,
1: yes, or
2: a technique that will be more they'll be more comfortable with than a question and answer in the session.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. You need a lot. So, so uh, there. I have two themes that I'm hearing from you. You need confidence. <laughs> And you need a lot of tools in your toolbox um, of how you're going to work with this family. You can't go in there Mm -hmm. unprepared, nervous, Nelly. Uh
2: (laughs) That's right. So, so what will work with one? What will help one adolescent open up, or one child open up and talk about? Uh, what they need or what they want or what they're experiencing is not going to work maybe with someone else.
1: Yes. And that is um, such a powerful truth that we must embrace. There is not going to be this like one technique that we can go in there and feel really confident. And this is really going to work because it works every time. That would be the exception, Um and you know, I'm I'm thinking back too to how maybe Chloe Madonis or these other family therapists who really sat back and thought about how to orchestrate what would work for this family. They didn't like get out a manual and say, We're in stage two, so we'll just go That's
2: right. That's right. It's not it's not possible to manualize. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so that requires even more confidence because you're you're you have to go in the moment and yeah so so let's talk about I want to make sure we have time to talk about your wonderful book specifically the child's voice in family mm-hmm. therapy a systemic perspective so what writing a book is really difficult um, and this is your second book so you already knew that it's hard to write a book. <laughs> Yes. So, what made you decide that you wanted to write this book,
2: and what was your vision um, for it? Uh, my vision, my what motivated me to write, was years of training and supervising, and going into institutions, whether it was within the child justice system where I work, where I trained therapists, yes. or within the uh, psychiatric system or um, child guidance center, whatever, uh, was that therapists who were family therapists uh, were getting more and more involved in language and how to pose a question was more important and than creating an interaction in between the family members. So what happened in family therapy, if we look at how Mnuchin worked, how the pioneers worked, Mnuchin, Whitaker, um, Haley, whoever you look at, they were decentralized and they were teaching the family to interact through interacting in the session and experiencing something in the session different than at home. Yes. That original um, idea of systemic therapy, it wasn't called systemic therapy then, it was called family therapy, was to create an interaction among family members Um, to say to a a mother, um, could you please give your child's mouth back to them so that they can tell me what they're thinking. I know you want to be very helpful in explaining what your child's thinking and feeling, and thank you. And I need him to use his own voice and tell me what he thinks, or show me through a drawing, or show me through some other way of his his ex- inner experience of what's going on uh, when his br- for example his brother hits him and you walk in the room and he's hitting the brother back and he becomes the one who's responsible because that's all you you know you see is the last hit and scream yes. uh, that we you look at that in the session and. Uh, So that the child can express, each child can express what their inner experience is and that you can ask them and understand what they're experiencing and what what you're experiencing. So it's experiential therapy. And that's why I wrote the book, because the therapist be everyone's interaction with the therapist, but they're not interacting with each other. Um, became my main motivation for helping therapists understand how to have a child or an adolescent express their inner voice.
1: Mm. Hence, to
2: talk yeah.
1: And talk the about them. The child's voice and family therapy. Yeah. yeah, you wanted to amplify. You you wanted to affect the the family system when they're sitting with you in a way to amplify voices that weren't being heard. Well, they weren't
2: even being uh, expressed. Yes, and then helping them express it in a more constructive way.
1: Yes, rather than like you were saying this almost like a question and answer back and forth with the therapist. That's what you were seeing.
2: Yes. And then, you know, the uh, family therapy moved more and more Then at the end of the session, the therapist would uh, give them a prescription of what to do rather than helping them develop an experience in the session what the change direction could be. So oh my gosh, that's one of the so parts good. of my therapy that's very crucial in the session is that they experience what could be a possible change direction mm-hmm. And the more it comes from them, the better it is. Yeah For example, let's take um, emotional dysregulation, affect dysregulation. So okay. there's um, everyone they're screaming they're yelling, they're um, uh, being uh, abusive verbally with their voice tone, with their word choice during an argument or a fight. Um, In the session themselves, having them explore how to change that and what they can do to um, become more regulated emotionally so that they're the other person is able to hear what's going on inside them or even ask them what's going on in you uh what what are you trying to do when you're yelling at me to to get out of my room get out of my room and uh slamming the door Mm -hmm. so a lot Um, You're dealing with difficult, especially with teenagers and with children also, with a lot of anger, loneliness, um, sadness, fear. And um, the part of being a family, of sharing joy or love or having moments of uh, pleasure uh, disappear because of all the stress and difficulties and um, leading to a lot of affect dysregulation, Mm -hmm. helping them mentalize what's going on in the other person and helping them take their fingers out of their ears I mean, I've actually had children put their fingers in their ears saying, shut up, shut up, don't talk, you know, while the parent is um, not very uh, respectfully talking to them. Yes. I mean, you're
1: really saying, it's almost like I have to let what you're saying sink in because it's so different this idea which was basic to family therapy that we were we're having them with the support of the therapist experience something different together
2: that's right that goes towards a basis of feeling more secure um feeling more themselves learning how to ask questions and be curious about the other person in the family Mm -hmm. Uh, skills on uh, reflection about oneself and the other
1: yes because um i would also say um This idea you use the phrase give a prescription, and I think what happens is if they if you haven't helped them find something there in your office, the prescription fails that's right, <laughs> and then they're just then then it's that then we're back we're, we're even worse in square one because it's like well, yeah. I guess this person can't help us either
2: yes, and um. Even though the individual child therapist will say they're here for me to heal their child, you know, and give their child a pill uh, through the therapy that will make them be the child or the adolescent I want to live with, um, it doesn't work that way.
1: No. A lot of people have bought into that way of thinking, though. Goodness.
2: Yes. That's not to say that or very often I have to work hand-in-hand hand with a psychiatrist Yes, who is giving the appropriate medication that the person needs. Yes. But I have the feedback from the family about the consequences of that medication uh, on the family. I'm not against medication, no. but I'm against, um, I think it's not useful to, at the end of the session, give the family uh, a prescription or an idea of what they need to do to change. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't come from the experience in the therapy room itself.
1: Yes, yes. Well, you know, I'm thinking of the chapter um, in your book on ADHD, and you know, I think a lot of people would be like, "What family therapy for ADHD? Don't you
2: just like get some medication?" And you know, well, if you're lucky, you get some medication, it works, and you don't need family therapy. <laughs> and that, that there is a group of, of children, and and they are lucky, and the families are lucky. Yes, but that's not uh, all the children. Yes. And I think the statistic is around fifty percent of the children. Medication makes more complications for the family life mm-hmm. and is more difficult to manage. So um not everyone with the same diagnosis will respond in the same way.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right.
2: yeah, and of course, I see the ones that the psychiatrist sends because the medications. Uh, not being used or not working, or uh, the family, you know, there's a family where the father's ADHD, uh, and two or three children are ADHD. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: the mother drinks. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So um, they are more complex uh, situations than just you have one patient who's identified. Yes. And I, I feel very happy for the families where the medication works.
1: Of course. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I know we don't have time to go into it in depth, but you mentioned it earlier and there's a chapter in your book about siblings also. Yes. And I I do uh, feel that there's sort of, it's, it's sort of like the forgotten relationship or something like um, that, you know, we have a program at Chaddock where we go and work with families in their homes intensively for multiple days. And we always set aside time for one of us to meet alone with the different siblings because they, they have a story to tell about what is happening and as v- usually very different <laughs> than the story we're hearing from, you know, the problem, the, the, the identified patient problem child and the parents. And, I've right. thought so nice. many, and I have thought so many times, like so, so many years maybe that I worked with families and didn't ask the siblings, you know,
2: mm-hmm. or do a session time. alone with the siblings.
1: Right, uh, boy, is that enlightening that's, that's right. really enlightening.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right.,
1: yeah.
2: uh, and that's also important to do. And um, look at the resources. Often siblings in in families have tremendous resources that aren't used or uh, ignored, and also a lot of suffering uh, that their brother or sister is um, so um, seriously doing things that are so frightening, mm-hmm. like cutting themselves or com- suicide attempt or having meltdowns several times a day, that it's affecting their life also. Right. And their um, parent is so exhausted
0: yeah. from
2: trying to take do the best job and take care of this other child in difficulty, that they often fade in the background. And they lose that they they don't feel uh, that they're getting the kind of quality attention that they really want, or they become also part of the parents, and they parent their sister or brother also, and they have tremendous resources and needs themselves who need to be addressed.
1: yeah. So true well I could talk to you for much longer but I see we're at the end of our time and yes. thankfully your book is in English so you know yeah. even if we can't come to your workshop and listen in well, French or German um, you're yes the there. book yeah
2: and yeah. I wrote the book that it's readable even for parents and not just therapists
1: it's a fantastic book it's really wonderful again it's a child's voice in family therapy a systemic perspective we're here with Carol Gammer. Last name is G-A-M-M-E-R <laughs> and would really encourage the listeners to look into her beautiful work. Thank you so much for being here with us, Dr. Gammer.
0: Thank you, Karen, for interviewing me also. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchattock.org, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for future episodes. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please visit tkcchattock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.